Good morning. Uh, the reading today is Matthew 21, verses 1 to 16, and you can get it on the church Bibles on page 988. This is the triumphal entry of Jesus to Jerusalem. When they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus then sent two disciples telling them, go into the village ahead of you. At once you will find a donkey tied there and her foe. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place so that was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Tell daughter Zion, see your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus directed them. They bought the donkey and its foal, and they laid their clothes on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their clothes on the road, Others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. Then the crowds went ahead of him, and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in uproar, saying, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Cleansing the temple. Jesus went into the temple and threw out all those who were buying and selling the overturned and overturned tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. The blind man, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonders and saw that the children shouted in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to them, Do you not hear that the children are saying, Jesus replied, You have never read. You have prepared praise from the mouths of infants and nursing babies. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Richard. Good morning to you. How has it been so far? Well, our passage today, and thank you, Richard, for reading that, is Matthew chapter 21. And sometimes, you know, when I come to think of of the Bible in public, It's good for us to just bow our heads and pray, Lord, speak to me today through this word. Let's do that. Lord, speak to me today through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is quite a story we had, and we're going to look at this passage from four different angles. First of all, making history, secondly, fulfilling prophecy, thirdly, public opinion, 
And fourthly, make your mind up town. So you got that. Making history, fulfilling prophecy, public opinion, and make your mind up town. You got it. Firstly, making, making history. Matthew, all, all the four Gospels record this, but it's interesting to see how Matthew does it. He tells about the, the, the approach to Jerusalem, and it appears that people were coming from all over the place. This was people going to the Passover. So the Passover for the Jews was like Christmas for us. You know, everybody did it. And people came from all over the place, not only all over Judea, but they'd be coming from North Africa, they'd be coming from all over the place to go up to Jerusalem. So it was a big, big occasion. And uh, <clears throat> Matthew then records exactly how they got this foal of a donkey that uh, Jesus was going to ride on. And he gets... Uh, Verse 3, he says, if anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them and he will send them, send them right away. Now Matthew doesn't tell the rest of the story because he wants to point some, some point something out to us who are reading it. So he'll, he'll tell you the story in a moment, but just for now, he says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He felt Man, this is like living in a documentary. We're making history here. Say to daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you riding and gentle and riding on a donkey. I think that evening Matthew sent a note home to his wife saying, Kathleen, you're not going to believe this. I saw history today before my very eyes. I saw history made. You know that old question we always had about the prophet Zechariah? He was, he was on about God speaking to his daughter and then coming into Jerusalem on a donkey. It never made any sense. He said, I saw it today. I saw it with my own eyes. Because a couple of days ago, Peter said to Jesus, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, and we were there. We all agreed with that. And here was God incarnate on a donkey. Guess what? coming into Jerusalem. Its history was made. I saw it. One other historical detail. If you are a small boy, or if you have been a small boy, as I have, not everybody has been, uh, you have this thought, did they ever get the, the donkey back? And uh, thankfully, one of the other Gospels, Mark, Mark, Mark's Gospel in chapter 11 says that the Lord said, I'll send it right back. So they got the donkey back. Don't worry. But this was a historic thing for Matthew. You see, the Jews were all waiting for a Messiah. There'd been various people who jumped up and said, oh, I'm the Messiah. But it was easy to tell the fakes. Because the Lord has set up a system whereby you could tell a Messiah because they would need to fulfill certain qualifications. And so anybody who was going to say, I'm the Messiah, they would have to, you know, do this and this and this. It would be like, check, check, check. A bit like if you're writing somebody an email and you get the email address wrong. I did this about three weeks ago. I sent a guy in England an email and it bounced back. I thought, well, 
I thought I had, but his, he was one of those quirky guys who puts in a funny little letter in the middle of his email address, so I had to, I had to correct it and send it off. Well, that was like the address of the Messiah. Who, who's he going to be? He needs to get this and this and this right. And Matthew had noticed that in the last three years, it was like, check, 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 check. It's, it's for sure, this is the Messiah. So this was history being made. Check, check, check. And now the, the biggie, Jesus going to, you know, Jesus didn't go to Jerusalem very much. We only have a couple of cases in, in the Gospels. He went to the Passovers mainly. He lived in the north. He worked in, in Galilee. So this was the big deal. And people there were wondering about the identity, the identity of Messiah. So the people in Jerusalem said, who is this? And some people said, this is the prophet from Galilee. That's good. He was more than a prophet. And he was from more than Galilee, but that's a start. And then some people said, he's the son of God. He's the son of David. The son of David, meaning the historic person. God had promised David, one day, one day, one of your descendants will come and he will have an eternal kingdom. So anybody claiming that this was the son of David, he was, that was even more precise about the identity of, of the Messiah. Do you notice that where, where the son of David comes, verse nine, a very large crowd, uh, the crowds that, that went ahead, those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. You may remember other people who called him son of David, like the blind men on the road, they were calling out, son of David, have mercy on us. And the disciples said, be quiet. And he kept shouting, son of David. And there are two or three people in, in the space of Jesus' public ministry who called him son of David, and they always got his attention because they're people that could be blind beggars on the side of the road, but they'd worked it out. They had worked it out, check, check, check. I know who this is, the son of David. So that's the, that's the history-making aspect from Matthew's perspective. But let's look further into those, those prophetic details. It is the prophet Zechariah who wrote this passage that, is the, that Matthew quotes. And to be very specific, this is God speaking to the people of Jerusalem and he's speaking very gently to a daughter. I noticed that one of the modern translations doesn't use daughter because the translators thought, sure, nobody will get the point. Well, actually, we do get the point. God is not speaking to his son. He's speaking to his daughter. He's treating the people of Jerusalem like they were his daughter. And as, as John records this story, John says, that he says, daughter, do not be afraid. I am coming to you on a donkey. Now, again, if you've ever been a small boy, you think to yourself, what's wrong with a horse? Oh, what's this donkey thing? Well, actually, it's very important that God, speaking to his people, says, daughter, don't be afraid. I am coming to you gentle. I am coming on a donkey. 
When the Romans came to town, they came on a horse. I have a friend in the British Armed Services and he said to me one day, you know that picture of Tiananmen Square in China where the big tanks came, you remember the tanks were rolling along and the man stood there with a plastic shopping bag and all the tanks stopped. My friend said, if that had been a horse and not a tank, things would have worked out different. The Romans came to town on a horse. And uh, this prophecy in Zechariah says, I'm coming gently. Because a peacemaker came on a donkey. And Zechariah goes on to say, later in his prophecy, he says, I'm going to deal with the horses. You're not going to be bothered by horses anymore. But as the, as the passage now proceeds, it appears like the people are talking to each other in Bible verses. Because that is exactly what they were doing. The people are quoting things from the Psalms and, and uh, from Zechariah. In fact, as people went up to Jerusalem for the big Passover day, they had particular songs that they sang. And they're in the Bible. They're in the book of Psalms. They had a set of going up songs. They were called the going up songs. And the last of the going up songs was this one. Psalm 118, which had, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So they were singing a line from their song that they would normally sing on Passover week. And then, of course, when Jesus came, when he confronts the, uh, the leaders in the temple, he says, my house should be called a house of prayer. Again, a prophetic thing to say. How come he says, my house? They thought this was their house. But Jesus appeared and says, this is my house. You remember when he was a little kid? He said, he was asked, you know, what were you doing? And he refers to the temple when he was a little kid as my house, my father's house. This is where I belong. So this was history making. And it was fulfilling prophecy. Uh, this line that they, the people said, uh, Hosanna, which is something we so much use in this, like we used it this morning. Uh, Hosanna was also a line from Psalm 118, and it meant, save us, Lord. And even the kids learned to say it. It was just a little thing you could say, but it's like, God save the king, you know, and uh, let's hear it for the Lord. A very simple little thing. So there was, it was history making, it was fulfilling prophecy, and it also expressed public opinion. Matthew speaks more about crowds than any other gospel writer. In fact, he talks about the crowd 41 times in this book, 41 times. And in this occasion, he uniquely talks about verse, verse eight, a very large crowd. Verse 8, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees. <clears throat> we also learn from the other Gospels that there were people who were coming out from Jerusalem to meet him. So they were coming down from the Mount of Olives, from Bethphage and Bethany, which is from the southeast, like south, 
he's tortured Jerusalem, and then people are coming out. So there was an ever so slight traffic jam in the middle of it all. But then the whole procession began to go. Very interesting what it says in verse 9. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted Hosanna. So there's a crowd going ahead to Jerusalem and a crowd coming behind. It was a football match. You know, there's no way you could deviate. They were all carried along. And eventually, they arrive in town and the whole city wants to know, who is this? Big crowd before, big crowd behind. And they're asking, who is it? So they made history. Matthew was, he was delighted. They saw prophecy fulfilled to the extent that these people seemed to be convinced because they were quoting these Bible verses from the Old Testament. They were convinced this looked like it was the Messiah. So the great thousands, and we're talking about thousands of people then heaved their way into Jerusalem. In fact, Jesus ended up going into the temple courtyard. Now the courtyard was a square thing. It was a, a couple of hundred yards wide and a couple of hundred yards long. It was very big. And when he got in there, it says that lame people and blind people came to him to be healed, and he healed them. Isaiah chapter 61 tells us that the, the coming Messiah would heal the blind. So no matter where you turned, prophecy was being fulfilled that day. Public opinion was certainly behind it. But now we come to this edgy, I think at the edgy passage in verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Now here's got to be the oddest verse in this story. Uh, verse 15. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things that he did and the children shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David, they gave him a medal. No, they didn't. Since they were indignant. They were upstaged. This was their worst nightmare. They were trying to be the man about town. Religiously, they were in charge. And here's this person, everybody now thinks he's the Messiah. And he's going around healing people, healing blind people. They never seem to complain about turning over the money changers' tables, letting the doves go free. The thing that, what was it that bothered them? What bothered them was the wonderful things that Jesus did. <laughs> Imagine, what a thing to say. And children running around, children running around in church, you know, what's it like? Jesus seemed to like it because the, the kids had remembered one thing from that song everybody was singing on the way up to Jerusalem. They had remembered one thing, Hosanna to the son of David. The very thing that was up the nose of those leaders, they were the ones who picked it up. They probably got it from their parents and they were 
shouting in the temple area, Hosanna to the son of David. The chief man didn't like that. And then we have uh, two questions. First of all, the leaders say to Jesus, verse uh, 16, do you hear what these children are saying? You know, sometimes when I'm studying a passage of the Bible, I listen to it uh, online. and I, I listen to David Suchet actually reading wonderful, wonderful free resources. David Suchet reading, read, reading a Bible. And uh, so I listened to this the other day, just reading the words of the Bible. And the way he, he reads it, do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Just, yes, I hear what they're saying. They're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Do you hear what the children are saying? Yes. And then he asks them a question. He says, have you never read Psalm 8? Of course they'd read Psalm 8. I personally learned Psalm 8 in, 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 in school. Lord, our Lord, how wonderful is your name in all the earth. I learned it. These, these kids had learned it in Hebrew Sabbath school. And Jesus said to the leaders, did you never read Psalm 8? Psalm 8 tells that little kiddies have enough spiritual gumption to know how to praise God and God will perfect that the praise of these little kids. Their heads are not stuffed with other stuff yet and they're able to praise God in a worthwhile way. Jesus replied to their question, do you not hear what the kids are saying? And he said, yes. They didn't reply to his question, which was, have you read your Bible recently? So that's, that's how the, the story ends with those, those uh, men. But as I think somebody mentioned here earlier today, there's a, it's a very serious aspect to this story of the crowd. Because a week later, scarcely a week later, the same people in Jerusalem for the Passover coming right up to right, right, right up to passenger to, to Passover Day. They were tricked, the crowd, the crowd was tricked by the very guys who were confronting Jesus, these high priests, the, the chief priests. In fact, the chief priests couldn't, couldn't arrest Jesus. They were still full of jealousy and they couldn't arrest him because everybody could see it. So that thought, we'll do it at night. But we don't know where he'd be at night. But then they found someone who had shown where he goes at night. Which is why they ended up in the Garden of Gethsemane. Then the crowds got up in the morning and Jesus is now arrested. Bring him to Pilate. Pilate actually tries three times to let him off. But at the third time, these religious leaders sway the crowd to cry, cry out to Pilate to say, no, 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 execute the terrorist. Don't execute the terrorist, because he was, this, this guy, Barabbas, was ready to be executed. Don't execute the terrorist, execute Jesus, which is what they did. That's just the gut-wrenching, horrible part of this story. But there's more to it than that. Seven weeks later, that just after you get through the Gospels, you turn over two pages in the book of Acts, 
the crowd is there again. Because that's the, the Passover started this big long thing, seven weeks long, and on the 50th day they'd all meet in Jerusalem again for this big praise session. And uh, this time, Jesus had risen from the dead, and Peter, this time, says, okay, I know you murdered Jesus, but here, 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 there's a better thing. The Spirit of God has now come, and he can make you new, he can forgive your sins, he can forgive your sins this afternoon. And 3,000 of them, I mean, that's a bit of a crowd, 3,000 of them received the promise of Christ and got their sins forgiven. Wow. The crowd made it in the end. God's very merciful. But it's uh, the bothersome thing to me is the story about the very large crowd. You know, there's a crowd in front. It says there's a crowd in front and there's a crowd behind. People being just carried along. Do you ever feel like that? Amongst your acquaintances or your family or your work or whatever, this, the crowd is in one, everybody has one public opinion going in one direction. And you feel, oh, I want to follow Jesus. I don't feel, I don't feel right here. It seems like I'm, I'm the only one. Pam and I lived in central London before we came to live here some few years ago. And the nearest church to our apartment, the nearest church, had a special deal on Palm Sunday. They would go around the, that part of centre London with palm trees, just a bit like we had today. But here's the, here's the catch. They did it so that the people carrying the palm trees were only those who had decided to follow Jesus in the last 12 months. The rest of us were on the pavement just watching it all go by. Now that's a gutsy thing to do. I said to somebody yesterday, he said, did they stop the traffic? They did stop the traffic. I checked on their website this morning and they did it this morning again at 10 o'clock. Imagine going through central London saying, in the last 12 months, I decided to follow Jesus. It's a bit like us going down to Shangana Park now, going down the road to Shangana Park with palm trees. Just those who've decided to follow Jesus in the last 12 months, the rest of us can see it from afar. Because this is the kind of following Jesus that makes a difference. Again, Pam and I have been privileged to work with people in countries that are not so open to the gospel. Uh, and one of, the, one of the odd things we've discovered that is common to our language and those languages where we have been is the ability to sing a particular song which is, I have decided to follow Jesus. It comes in many, it was, it was written by somebody in India many years ago, but the third verse of that song says, I have decided to follow Jesus, though no one join me, still I will follow. And that's what sort out, sorts out the men from the boys in this story, and the girls from the women, I guess, as well. We're going to sing the song now. And you could use this, this lovely song we're going to sing, King of Kings, Majesty, as a way of uh, 
as a way of saying, I, I want to follow Jesus, not being carried along by the crowd. I'm going to make my own, my, my own mind up. And this is the way I make it up. There are various kinds of songs. There are songs that we sing together. Like we sang uh, earlier today a song for us to, together. We sang, we stand forgiven at the cross. That's a way of saying, Lord Jesus, here's us in Crinkin. The whole lot of us. The whole lot of us together, we are saying, we stand forgiven at the cross. We love it. But this is a different song we're going to sing now. Both great kinds of songs. This is a different kind of song. This is King of Kings, Majesty. And you'll see when you come to the chorus of that, it says, Your Majesty, I can but bow. I lay my all before you now. This is an individual song. We're going to do it together. But it's an individual song to say, Lord Jesus, here, this, is, this is me talking to you. And I am saying, I can but bow. So, history was made, prophecy was fulfilled, the public had their opinion, but it's make your mind up time as well. Thank you.